Watching the Chicago Bears All-22 film against the New York Giants is frustrating because you look at this offense and the plays are there. So on the show today, we're going to go through and find when things didn't work, how much of it was on fields not seeing it or leaving the pocket too early, and how much was on the offensive line not being able to hold up to give him just the amount of time he needs to make the play. You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox. I'm here to bring you your daily in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. You can follow me on Twitter at CoxSports1. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at LockedOnBears. You can like LockedOnBears on Facebook. Join the LockedOnBears Facebook group for even more Bears talk. And make sure you hit that subscribe button on the LockedOnBears YouTube channel to keep up with all of our video podcasts as well. Thanks for making the Lockdown Bears podcast your first listen today and hopefully every single day. On the show today, we're going through the All-22 film, what we learned from rewatching both the offense and the defense. We'll get to them later on in the podcast against the New York Giants. We'll kind of settle some of the questions about, okay, how much of this was the offensive line, pass protection, breaking down and limiting what Justin Fields could do? How much of this was Fields not seeing receivers when they get open or maybe leaving the pocket too soon when he thought there might be pressure, but there wasn't. There was a good amount of both, but we'll kind of get a better sense of when and where and how we saw both of those things happen in this game, what we can take away from those things happening and what we need to see improve in both fronts moving forward. Then we'll get to some of the things we saw from this Bears defense as well, including how ridiculous Eddie Jackson's interception was and some of the other concerns that we saw in this game and some of the other things they can build on that side of the ball as well. But for me, the focus is all about Justin Fields versus the offensive line because he was under pressure on 51% of his dropbacks, according to Pro Football Focus, but not all pressure is purely the offensive line's fault that sometimes if he leaves the pocket too early, he can sort of put himself under pressure or sometimes he has plenty of time in the pocket to normally deliver a throw and then the offensive line gets beat after four seconds and it's not really the offensive line's fault because you the ball needs to be out in a reasonable amount of time before you would blame the offensive line for being at fault. And so that was kind of the context I was going through a lot of this Bears passing game with is like, are there receivers open? Does Fields have the time to get the ball there? You know, is the offensive line giving him the time? Is he not seeing it? When What is happening on these plays that aren't working? And it stood out to me early on in this game that more so through the first few drives, I found it to be a little bit more on Fields than the offensive line. But then once you got into the second quarter, it got to be more on the offensive line than Fields. And I thought even by the second half, the Bears adjusted a bit to where there were less plays in general that I felt like were being disrupted one way or another based on either one, that things were functioning a little bit more properly in terms of like protection and eyes. And that, you know, when things weren't working, there were other issues going on a drop pass here and there. Uh, and some just good defense was also a factor in some of that situation. But like, you know, early on in the game, there were a couple of plays where Fields is scrambling too quickly, where he has time to throw, but maybe he's, the timing is a little bit off in the progression. And then he ends up scrambling outside of the pocket and the play hasn't really broken down 
yet. And he's able to do good things on a lot of those scrambles and give you sometimes first down runs. And so you don't want to hamstring that and say, hey, no, don't run. But there are just those plays where it feels like there are open receivers in the passing game and that if he sticks into the pocket and keeps going through his progressions or go back through the progressions or check in again or just, you know, process the play a little bit quicker, there's something there that could be completed or at least there's an open receiver to throw to through the air that could be a potential completion that doesn't expose him to a hit and functions more how you want an NFL offense to function with passing and rushing and not just relying on fields to scramble. You know, there was a couple of those plays where it's it's designed rollouts and he gets some pressure and and he ends up, you know, just tucking the ball and running. But if he gets gets around the pressure and keeps his eyes downfield, because we saw he got, he got around the pressure to scramble past the line of scrimmage, but he just, he at that point, he just flips into runner mode. And if he looks downfield, not that he has wide open touchdowns on all those throws, but does have wide receivers open for potential completions that maybe get more yards than he would have on the ground and, and has potential for just being able to use their weapons a little bit more effectively. And there's other plays where, you know, he's he's picking a, a half of the field pre-snap based on what the route concept is going to be that, okay, I'm going to start and my, my read's going to be this these receivers on my left and not the receivers on his right. And maybe the receivers on the right will be open, but he doesn't have the time to get over. He'll, he'll, he'll look through the receivers on his left. They're covered. They're there, and then he'll scramble from there. And it's like, well, he did have some time to stay in the pocket and lurk, look and turn right, maybe, and maybe make a better decision on which half to read first pre snap. But also, I think the Bears could do more of calling more pure progression plays where he's not picking half because it seemed like a lot of the plays where he's he's picking a half a field to read for whatever reason, it's not even necessarily that he made the wrong decision pre snap because you just don't know pre snap is your receiver going to get open or not. And it just seemed like whether it's luck or, or otherwise, he tended to pick halves that weren't always getting open and there would be receivers getting open in other halves. I don't think that itself was overwhelmingly what held the Bears offense back. But as I was looking through, I I, I, I tallied it up. I mean, I didn't actually count them, but I marked each passing play based on whether or not it felt like Fields left the pocket too early or, or more so Fields had an open receiver that he could have thrown to, but either decided to scramble or left the pocket too early and didn't get those throws. And I, I saw, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six on fields in the first half that six throws where, boy, it felt like he could have maybe had something there and opted to either scramble or ended up taking a sack or the pot, either the, the pocket was clean and he scrambled anyway, or he's scrambling, but could get something downfield if he kept his eyes downfield and didn't throw or didn't just turn into a pure runner. And there were three or excuse me, five, as I get two right before the end of the half, five that were on the offensive line where it's like he's sacked, he's hit, the pressure is too quick for him to be able to get a play. So six to fives, you know, a little bit more on fields in the first half than the offensive line, but not like drastically over one or the other. And then the second half, I think I had two bad offensive line plays and one field play where he scrambled and kind of threw the ball away despite not having pressure in the pocket and seeming to have a receiver open. And then there were a couple, and there were two plays where the bears had really quick pressure on fields and he just had nowhere to go with the ball. And I think he scrambled and got a couple on one and, and had to throw it away on another. Plus I think there was a sack or two in there as well that were just sacks on the play, but some of those sacks didn't have receivers open either. So it wasn't like the offensive line was, was purely ruining the entire play. So 
some some sort of back and forth there in in both both sides to blame in a game like this. Plus, though, there were also some really great throws from Justin Fields. There were there were plays in the passing game that I felt like he, he needed to do better in terms of seeing and throwing, but there were also plays where he made some nice reads, some nice throws, and showed some real progress at times in this game. We'll go through some of the good from Fields, what we should take away from what he did and didn't do in this game, and, and where we do need to keep seeing more improvement next on Locked on Bears. Our next partner has a product I use literally every single day, and I started taking AG1 because it's like a multivitamin I get to drink, but it's loaded up with so much more than a regular multivitamin. Athletic Greens' AG1 has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods sourced, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. I love taking it like first thing in the morning, even before I eat breakfast, because I feel like that's how it absorbs the most quickly into the, the lining of your stomach and gets into your system, and it just is a great way to start the day. And it, it really fills in the gaps, I think, of what I'm missing from my regular diet. I'm not always not always eating as many vegetables and fruits as I should, I'm sure, over the course of the week. And AG1 really gives me that extra boost of feeling like I'm checking all the boxes and, and living as healthy as I possibly can. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. That's athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So we saw plays in this game where yeah, Fields left the pocket too early and where the, the pass protection was actually good enough and that there, that had he stayed in the pocket, there were receivers that were going to be getting open and it's just a matter of seeing it and being able to step up and deliver it in time with his eyes, which is another step in the process, but more so there were plays where the breakdown in the passing game was not the offensive line's fault. There were also plays where it clearly was the offensive line's fault and that a handful of those sacks, maybe not all six, but a decent number of them, it's... It's blitz not being picked up well. It's Sam Mustafer and Lucas Patrick, largely the, the culprits, getting beat super early. They, they didn't have an answer for Dexter Lawrence on that interior. For some reason, they just kept crapping the bed. But then there were other plays. It's like there, there was one in the second quarter that we, we heard Matt Eberflus talk about and, and Darnell Mooney talked about, too, in his, their press conferences on Monday. It's like, a, I, think, I want to say it's like a second and 10, and the Bears are running four verticals. And Darnell Mooney, there's three receivers left, one right. Darnell Mooney is the innermost of the, the three receivers, the slot closest to the to the offensive line. And Fields has time in the pocket. And Darnell Mooney's running the vertical in between the two deep safeties. And it's like, that's open and it looks like a touchdown. And Darnell Mooney said after at his press conference that he's supposed to bend that route more toward the middle of the field when they have split safeties like that. And Eberflus said the same thing. He should have bent it more to the middle of the field. But Eberflus also said that Fields still needs to see that. And instead... Fields drops back his, his sort of the first vertical he was looking at wasn't open and he tucks and runs up the middle. And I think even said on that coverage, they were looking for him to tuck and run. It looked to me like cover six and the running back kind of pulled away one of the flat defenders. So there was a lot of room for Fields to scramble and he does end up picking like 12 yards on the play. So you're not mad at Justin Fields for not, I mean, the play gains yardage and a first down, I believe off the top of my head. So it's not a bad play but it's leaving the better play on the field. And that's part of what, what ends up holding this offense back. And so I think for Justin Fields, you want 
Like you don't you don't want to stop the scrambling, right? But at the same time, sometimes I think he trusts his legs too much, and and I'm not sure how you how you coach that, right? Because you don't want to tell him not to scramble, but some of those plays, it's like like we know you can get four or five yards, but you gotta run the offense too, and you gotta trust the pocket a little bit more. And I think if he could get to a point of trusting the pocket a little bit more, I think naturally he'll be less inclined to go to his legs because it's not like he's always going straight to his legs. There were plays in this game where he did a good job of hanging in the pocket. We talked about the red zone one a little bit yesterday where he overthrows Dante Pettis in the corner of the end zone, but he does a great job of, he feels some pressure on his right side. So he drifts a couple of steps to the left and steps and throws that ball. Just instead of just pressure means drop the eyes and scramble, which has kind of been his go-to that was early in the game too, that he kept his eyes downfield. And even the play later on, where I think it's in this, it was still in the first half. I don't remember if it was first or second quarter. I think it was end of the first quarter where Fields was hit as he was throwing and fumbled the ball forward, but it was his arm was not in forward motion. I thought that was another good play where, I mean, it's not a good play, but it's another good pocket presence where pressure's coming from the right and he steps to his left to try for a little bit of extra time instead of just, dropping the eyes and scrambling because he had an open receiver. They're running crossing mesh crossing routes underneath. Darnell Mooney essentially sets a pick, like a screen in basketball for Equinemius St. Brown. And Mooney got like lit up. He ran into the cornerback and got lit up and was like on the ground a little bit longer. I was worried that he was hurt when you watched him on that play. But Sam Mustafa gets beat right away with pressure up the middle. They blitzed They blitzed once. It was five five-man rush on five guys in pass protection. And the Bears couldn't hold that line for very long at all. I mean, a mesh crossing run is supposed to be a fairly quick concept. And the pressure got to Fields just early enough, I mean, just in the nick of time, because he's literally, he's literally loading up to throw the ball and gets it about here, and you know, it gets it about shoulder height when he's when he's hit and it pops out. So, like, I, I get, like, yes, he needs to get rid of it, like, a half second quicker, but I'm glad he didn't fully scramble on the play. I'm not saying it was a good play by Fields, because anytime you fumble and lose the ball, and, and but... I think it was progress in pocket presence. Like we're seeing those moments of like, hey, you can stay in the pocket even when things are breaking down and still deliver a pass there. And if you could just give it that extra half second, the route will be there. He's doing it and he's doing it more often. Now there's still too many plays that he is scrambling too early, but I think we're seeing him hone in a little bit more on that balance there. And it's what we need to continue to see more of from him is, is trusting his eyes and not, overly trusting his legs, knowing that your legs can bail you out when, when things, when it's hit the fan, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta just scramble. And there were some of those scrambles in this game where he's scrambling, like it's a rollout and the giants read it and have a pressure right in his face right away. And he just has to keep running and scramble around it because nothing's open. And there's a defender in his face. Like he has done good scrambles. Not all Justin Fields scrambles out of the pockets are too early or bad decisions to scramble because there was quick pressure in this game. And so like, that's part of it too, right? When you're sacked six times and you're under pressure 50% of the time, no, you're not surprised when he's going to just trust his legs and scramble a little more often. But I think in theory, if you can eventually give him better pass protection and that he can learn to trust a little bit more, then maybe you have fewer of those types of scramble situations where he's too quick to scramble. Now, Cody Whitehair is going to be out a while, so it's probably going to be Lucas Patrick at left guard and, and Sam Mustafa at center for the foreseeable future. That's not a great way to build trust in your offensive line when those two were two clearly your two worst pass protecting 
offensive lineman in this game, that pressure up the middle makes it a lot harder on Justin Fields. Personally, I would like to see the veteran Michael Schofield placed at left guard and put Lucas Patrick back at center and see if Patrick can be a better center than left guard because he was not a great left guard. And, but Mustafa's not been a great center either. So maybe if Patrick's a slightly better center and Michael Schofield's a hopefully a much better left guard than what we saw from Lucas Patrick at left guard that game, maybe you get something a little better up front. And just over time, uh, those young guys maybe can start to get a little bit better and build some of that more experience. I thought Larry Borum wasn't terrible and Braxton Jones wasn't awful either. The, the bigger issue were the two interior guys. I think you can get by with the two guys you had at tackle if the interior is not so terrible but that was there was a, a lot of rough in that game but there were also some really nice throws from Fields finding Mooney in the hole in some zones there was a play where like there was a play where the Giants dropped eight into coverage and did a three-man rush and Fields had all day and he found Mooney pretty wide open and it was a good read and a good find for a nice first down and it kind of shows you like okay yeah when he does have pass protection like he can read a coverage and the Bears receivers can get open. It's just a matter of having those things all happen on the same play. And the Bears haven't been able to, to really check the boxes of good pass protection, good read by fields, not leaving the pocket too soon, and receivers are getting open. There's a lot of moving parts that have to happen at the same time. The Bears haven't been able to do it consistently, but we're seeing that seem to happen more against the Giants than it had in the first three weeks of the season. That's progress forward for fields. At times, it felt like progress backwards, which would not be progress. It would be regression, I guess, for this Bears defense. There were moments of of some really nice plays, and certainly they bailed out the offense a couple of times in there, but it's a rough first half. And we'll kind of go through some of the notables and the good and the bad that we saw from this Bears defense on that All-22 film next on Locked on Bears. This episode of Locked on Bears is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, the number one source for your football betting this season. I put some bets down on Bears Giants. I, I had bet on a Bears margin of victory of one to six points because it was better odds than the money line straight up. And I thought the Bears would win by less than a touchdown. That bet did not pay out for me, but bet online is the place I place it and the number one place I recommend for all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, and in-depth articles on every game you can find, not just the Bears games every week, but all of your sports wagering information, live betting in games as well. Whether you're talking about Major League Baseball playoffs around the corner, all your combat sports, golf, tennis, soccer, you name it, they have it at BetOnline. So head on over to BetOnline.net or use your mobile device to learn more about all the different trends and action going on right now that you need to know about. BetOnline, where the game starts. Watching this Bears defense, it started for me with play action and how rough that was in the first half watching them bite so hard and and to me the problem is not so much that they're biting like they're step like they're taking too many steps forward but the problem is how long it took them to locate where the football was and it, and I don't know that anyone Certainly, I mean, obviously the defensive line is doing similar things either way, so we're not really talking about them. But as far as the back seven goes, I'm not sure that anyone was immune from it. Like, no one was perfect on not biting on play action. I would say, like, your outside cornerbacks, Kyler Gordon and and Kittle Vildor and sometimes Jalen Jones in, the, in when they had nickel package, like, a lot of times the outside cornerbacks are covering the receivers either way and not there's not as much for them to bite on, but... Whether it was Roquan Smith, Nick Morrow, Joe Thomas, Jaquan Brisker, 
Kyler Gordon when he was in the slot, and then even Eddie Jackson bit really. There was one completion that he gave up where he he just like, he let a receiver like go by him, and he's like he steps down towards the run and is like looking to find the ball as a receiver is running by him, and it's not until the receiver is like fully past him that he then turns and runs, and it's just like. I do get that it can be hard to locate where the ball is, but when you see an a, a, when you're the deep safety and you see a receiver running past you, right? If they're running to block you, then you might think it's a run. But when he's choosing to go by you, it, it should be a, an instinctual. You shouldn't even have to think. You should just react to pass and turn and run. And you know, I, I thought of those of the linebackers and safeties, Jackson was probably the most disciplined in terms of reading play action versus not, but even he did get burned in the game. Brisker had a couple of those plays where it's like he looked lost. Like he stepped down and is like the last person on the defense to figure out that the quarterback still has the ball. It was, I, I was a little concerned on a few of those plays. He made some other nice plays, stepping up and making some tackles in there. So it's not like, you know, five alarm fire disaster, Jaquan Brisker or anything, but just, oof, it, it was rough. And I do understand like, Game plan was probably shut down Saquon Barkley as best you can, collapse in on those running games, running plays, and make Daniel Jones beat you with his arm. The problem was the Bears weren't ready for how many rollouts and the types of rollouts they were running with Daniel Jones, and he beat them with his legs. And that was a good game plan and well-coached by the Giants and maybe not super well-coached by the Bears, but they made some halftime adjustments and certainly got better at it as the game went on. I don't want to throw Eddie Jackson under the bus on that one play that stood out to me with where he crossed the guy in the face and not also mention the, the interception that he had. I, I really feel like he had no business picking off that pass from Tyrod Taylor. Cause he's like, he's in the very middle of the field as the single deep safety. And it's one-on-one -on -one coverage on the outside when Tyrod loads up and throws that ball deep. But I will say like Jackson started breaking on that pass before Tyrod started his full windup. Like when Tyrod's dropping back on that play, like he's looking middle of the field at the safety to read, you know, one high, two high, and what the coverage is going to be based on that. And it's like the second his eyes, like it's almost like Jackson is turning and running as Tyrod Taylor's eyes move. It's like, it's like he knew that Tyrod was going to go there, right? As Tyrod determined he was going to go there because both receivers were going vertical on the outsides and Jackson's in the middle of the field. So he's got to sort of pick a side. And I don't know if he's just guessing based on tendencies or, if something else clued him in, but like he breaks on that pass way faster than a person should be able to process. Like he knew where the ball was going to go. And then he gets there and gets underneath it for the interception. And he covered a lot of ground. It was not a perfect ball from Tyrod Taylor. It was maybe slightly underthrown and maybe slightly a little bit too far leading the receiver inside, but it's still a heck of an interception by Eddie Jackson that, I mean, he looks like the old Eddie Jackson, maybe not like, dominant Pro Bowl, but part of it's the defense he has around him So because he, he has to sort of cover for everybody else. But, like, he made a really nice pass breakup. I think it was a third down on Richie James making an underneath crossing route. He comes down and times it perfectly and breaks up the pass. Like, he looked solid on a few of those plays, and it really feels like Eddie Jackson is, is clicking on all cylinders. Growing more and more concerned about Kyler Gordon, though, uh, even plays when he, the ball wasn't thrown his way, he just looks... A little lost in coverage, particularly in the slot, in that space. He's like a little bit slow to react and he falls steps and it's just, it doesn't look good right now for, for Kyler Gordon. It is rough and we're going to keep seeing teams attack him as somehow the weak link in this Bears secondary when you have Kendall Vildor on one side 
and a literal undrafted rookie free agent on the other. And it, and it feels like Gordon is the vulnerable one when he's in the slot. I feel like he looks better when he's on the outside, and I would prefer to put him on the outside full time. But you really don't have, I mean, your other slot option would be Jalen Jones, who's on the outside. I mean, that's you sort of would pick your poison between those two, unless you want to try Josh Blackwell. But really wish you had Thomas Graham right now. Really wish you had Tavon Young, who's on injured reserve, because it just doesn't feel like the slot right now for Kyler Gordon is working. Still time to be patient with him. Not a referendum on his career or what he's going to be as a corner, but it is it is not great. Also not great was the Bears' pass rush in this game. They didn't get much on, on Daniel Jones. We talked about it a little bit on yesterday's podcast. But when you rewatch it again, it's like the Giants ran so many rollouts, which you just don't expect. The pass rush isn't going to win on the rollout unless it's an unblocked guy on the end on the line of scrimmage. But like your defensive lineman, I mean, it's designed to eliminate the pass rush, right? So there was a bunch of that that kept the pass rush from getting home. I really thought the scheme did it a lot. And then they just ran the ball so much. And then when both quarterbacks got hurt, they literally stopped passing the ball. So there wasn't as many opportunities to get after the quarterback because the Giants just schemed it up well. There were about five plays that PFF categorizes as a true pass set where it's just one-on-one pass blocking for these the offensive line versus this Bears defensive line. And five plays is not a sample size to say pass rush good, pass rush bad. So I'm not, I, I was more concerned about the pass rush before I started watching the All-22. And then when you kind of see, okay, yeah, these guys aren't getting that many opportunities to pass rush. They weren't great on the plays that they did pass rush, but it's just such a small sample size. I'm I'm not ready to panic just yet. Just yet. And, and the Giants left tackle, Andrew Thomas, is really, really good. I mean, he's one of the better left tackles in the NFL, really coming into his own right now. I was very impressed with what he did against Robert Quinn and and, and Dominic Robinson and at times Travis Gibson, like whoever they put out at, out there. Thompson, or Andrew Thomas was a, a real like shutdown backside left tackle there that you got to give a lot of credit for. There was one running play where he blocked. He had Dominic Robinson on his left and a linebacker coming at him. He blocked both of them with one hand each. Like he blocked two players, like a reverse double team. He blocked them both. He definitely got away with a hold on Dominic Robinson. He grabbed part of his jersey and his shoulder pad and pulled him with. But he took out two players at the same time. It wasn't like one than the other. Like sometimes you'll see that like a really nice play. They'll bulldoze the first guy and then get to the second guy and block him too. No. At the same time, the linebacker like blitzes. He grabs the linebacker with one hand and the defensive end with the other and blocks them both out of the play. And it was just like, wow. Like that's that's a really quality offensive tackle right there. And you kind of just have to tip your cap to him at, at that point. But So some concerns for the Bears defense, but they only gave up 20 points and yeah, the run defense was bad, but 20 points is a passable performance. Eddie Jackson looked great. Got a bite less on the play action. Some concerns about Kyler Gordon. Some concerns about the pass rush, but maybe not as big of a deal just, just yet. We'll see what, they're, what they have in store for the Minnesota Vikings this upcoming week. Hope you'll come back on, tomorrow, on Thursday's podcast for Crossover Thursday. I'm getting my days of the week mixed up. We'll talk to Luke Braun from Locked on Vikings. Friday, we'll put together a game plan for how the Bears can attack Vikings' weaknesses, minimize some of the Vikings' strengths. So make sure you check that out later this week. Hit that subscribe button on the Locked on Bears podcast so you keep it up with all of our daily, in-depth Chicago Bears news and analysis. Thanks for making the Locked on Bears podcast your first listen today. If you're looking for your second listen, check out the Locked on NFL podcast where we cover the league from a really like league-wide perspective, all the biggest storylines. I'm on today's episode of Locked on NFL with Ross Jackson filling in on that podcast. We're going to talk about Monday Night Football game and sort of the, the laying out the NFC and specifically how weird the NFC West is, but really the NFC as a whole, kind of hard to figure out. We'll go through some of our yike. We'll have some fun and go through our yikes moments of 
week four as well. So make sure you go check that out for your second listen. Come on back tomorrow to make Lockdown Bears your first listen again tomorrow. And as always, we'll make sure you, you end up with another opportunity to bear down. <laughs>